0: I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 18. Genesis, the first book of the Bible. The 18th chapter. Chapters 12 through 25 record for us God's dealings with Abraham, his servant. Beginning with God calling Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees. God calling Abraham out of darkness and bringing him into fellowship with himself and making glorious promises to him. And a lot of the chapters that are before us in 12 through 25 are Abraham and Sarah waiting and waiting and waiting that they might have the promised son. I think. So we're in chapter 18, and at this point, he is still not born. And uh, God shows up. Three heavenly visitors appear on the scene to encourage Abraham and also Sarah. And we are to be encouraged, I trust, in terms of the Lord's dealings with them there. This happens just before chapter 19. <coughs> where Sodom and Gomorrah will be destroyed because of their disobedience. But in the context of that, Abraham will first be reminded and assured again of God's covenant kindness, something we need to be encouraged in every day. Genesis 18, I'll read the verses 1 through 15. This is the holy word of God. Then the Lord appeared to him by the terebinth trees of Mamre as he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. So he lifted his eyes and looked and behold, three men were standing by him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the ground and said, my Lord, if I have now found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Please let a little water be brought, and wash your feet, and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will bring a morsel of bread, that you may refresh your hearts. After that you may pass by, inasmuch as you have come to your servant. They said, Do as you have said. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, Quickly, make ready three measures of fine meal. Knead it, and make cakes." And Abraham ran to the herd, took a tender and good calf, gave it to a young man, and he hastened to prepare it. So he took butter and milk and the calf, which he had prepared, and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree as they ate. Then they said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? So he said, Here, in the tent. And he said, He said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life, and behold, Sarah your wife shall have a son. Sarah was listening in the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I bear a child since I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time I will return to you, according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, no, but you did laugh. So far, our reading from the Holy Word of God. I urge you to keep your Bibles open here to these 15 verses of chapter 18. And I'll direct your attention again to the Lord's words, the Lord's question, and then his declaration in verse 14. Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, do you ever doubt? You ever wonder about the promises of God? Can it really be so? Is it all going to be okay? Do you ever struggle? Do you ever struggle with the weight of your own Find yourself struggling with the guilt of your sin, not knowing what to do, where to turn. So that in the midst of such struggle, there are times when we find ourselves, are there not, rather than running to God, rather running from Him, hiding from Him, maybe living in denial of the reality of our sin and the difficulty of the struggle. You ever get tired of the struggle we experience in the world, the opposition the church is up against? the discouragements of a culture that has turned its back on the Lord, a culture in decline. You ever wonder, how can we, as church of the Lord Jesus Christ, with so much opposition over against us, so small and seemingly insignificant in many ways, how can we be a blessing? How can we be fruitful? How can we be something different to bring blessing to the world? There are many questions, are there not? I wonder if perhaps I may even hear this afternoon or perhaps then by live stream, if you do that sort of thing, I'm not sure. If I address anyone who is a complete skeptic, I don't know about, I don't know about God, Could there ever be hope for the likes of me? Some may ask. And maybe some of us. Probably more of us. Are you concerned for loved ones who are wayward? You've gone astray. Do you wonder, can there be hope for them? Many, many questions, right? Well... (laughs) I think the Lord helps us here in the passage we have before us as those questions are answered with a question that He has for us. The question He had for Abraham and Sarah, Genesis 18, verse 14 is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? These words are meant to challenge us, of course, as they were meant to challenge Abraham and Sarah, but they're meant to encourage. They're meant to show us sovereign, gracious, powerful, wise ways of the Lord, faithful to his covenant. Now, in connection, we've also heard the question asked, I believe it's at verse 9, where is Sarah? Where is Sarah? Where is Sarah? And and I think as we'll see together in the unfolding of this passage, as the Lord is going to press in upon Sarah, the intention here is not to embarrass Sarah. The intention is to rather engage Sarah so as to embrace her so she comes into a believing Reception of the promises of God. She comes the enjoyment of the promises of God. We'll see at the beginning of the passage how that blessing is enjoyed by Abraham and how that is pictured for us in the blessing of covenant friendship and fellowship with God. And God would have it that Sarah would know that blessing too. Where is Sarah? Where are you? Where am I? Where are you with regard to the promises of God? How do you stand with the promises of God? Uh, The word of God that is here before us this afternoon is here for our encouragement. Is anything too hard for the Lord? And that's the word I preach. That's God's question. Is anything too hard for the Lord? We're going to see the way that plays out in the passage with these three points. First of all, his friendship enjoyed. And then secondly, his faithfulness ensured. And finally, our faithlessness engaged. First, his friendship enjoyed. We begin the chapter with Abraham under the terebinth tree in the heat of the day. It was a hot desert day as we understand it. Abraham probably needed a siesta, needed a nap. When behold, we're told, three men were standing by him. There they were. Now we understand also from the way the passage plays out, these are angelic visitors angelic visitors, heavenly visitors. This is not an everyday visit, as we'll see later. Hebrews chapter 13 makes reference to this passage as Holy Spirit-inspired commentary to tell us what Abram did, entertaining angels unawares, unwittingly. But one of the angelic creatures, no, creature's not a good word, Is the angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord. That terminology was introduced in Genesis chapter 16. And you see it throughout the Old Testament. When you see reference to the angel of the Lord. With a definite article. Definitive the angel of the Lord. We understand that to be a reference to. The second person of the Trinity was always the one who comes by way of appearance. Now, so that's who will become Jesus in the flesh, but this is before he comes in the flesh. And if you compare um, verse 1 and verse 13, just make note of the references there. um, The Lord appeared to Abraham that day. So clearly, this whole entourage of these three men includes the Lord himself as the angel of the Lord. And then in terms of the dialogue that takes place, that's made plain as well in verse 13. The Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? So God showed up. That's an amazing thing if you think about it. Many of us may have the sense and Perhaps understandably so, God is high and holy and transcendent and uh, maybe even aloof and distant. Because he is holy and we are not. But the picture that's being made here in terms of God seeking fellowship with Abraham, coming to have a meal at his place that day, shows us something of the intimate, imminent gracious character of a God who delights to have fellowship with his people. And that's an amazing thing. Now, Abraham at first, no doubt, doesn't quite understand all of this. When he begins to respond immediately to the presence of these three men before him, We read at the end of verse 2, he ran from the tent door to meet them. He bowed himself to the ground. Verse 3, he said, My Lord, if I have now found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. He calls him Lord. But this is not all caps, like it was in verse 1 and verse 13. At this point, it may well be that for Abraham, that's just a, um, a term of respect, like my Lord or sir but things will play out in such a way that Abraham will, will he'll, he'll understand after a while this is God himself in his midst. God himself in his presence. And this is a picture for us of the blessing that we sinners may know the Lord and may have fellowship with the Lord. Abraham is called in the Bible, I think it's 2 Chronicles, certainly in Isaiah 41, he's called the friend of God. The friend of God. Some people say that's too chummy. Some people say we shouldn't talk that way. God is not our chum in that sense. But the New Testament Also teaches us to speak that way, does it not? Jesus says in John chapter 15, No longer do I call you my servants, I call you my friends. And why does Jesus say he calls us his friends? He says, Because I lay down my life for my friends. You are my friends. That's an amazing thing, is it not? You begin to understand why there is a flurry of activity and Abraham's calling for Sarah to get the the, the dough and to knead the dough and he gets his servant to kill the fattened calf. And the feast is prepared. This is a special meal with special guests. You could say a heavenly meal with heavenly guests. God has showed up. And this is the blessing of sweet fellowship with God. I wonder, I don't know, boys and girls, would you say, wouldn't that be something if God showed up like that for us? Well, he's here, isn't he? He does that every time we gather for worship. He does that in a special way in worship, that we believe that he's with us always. Jesus has promised, I'll never leave or forsake you. And he does that in a more particular way every time we sit at the table of the Lord. With him, God shows up in a special way. You understand what that is, that we may have that sort of fellowship with God? I've referred a few times also then in our singing to the language of Psalm 25, verse 14. The secret or the friendship of the Lord is with those who fear him. And to them he will show his covenant. That friendship... That fellowship, God shows us that blessing. that is ours by God's grace through faith. Abraham is said to be a friend of God. Abraham, who was a failure in many ways. Abraham had been called out of darkness, and even as one following the promises of God, sometimes did silly things, had to lie about his wife, Sarah, being his sister, He was a failure. by the grace of God, he was the friend of God. And we failures as well, who are by nature children of wrath, may know the blessing that we have been brought near by the blood of Christ and are his friends. This is the fellowship that is enjoyed. We have a picture of that glorious fellowship at that special meal with special guests. There is an intimacy with God that is amazing. A few more things I want to pick up on before we conclude the first point here this afternoon. In addition to what we see about intimacy with God, which is the heart of the first point, the friendship enjoyed, friendship of his covenant, by grace through faith. Also want to see here the imploring of God's servant. We we see Abraham when He's beginning to realize something special is going on here. He says at verse 3, My Lord, if I have now found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Do not pass me by. So he, he wants to have them stay with him. Don't leave us. Don't pass us by. Bring a morsel of bread. You can refresh your hearts. After that, you may pass by. Inasmuch as you've come to your servant. Obviously, you've come here for a reason. Don't pass us by. Now, in this language of do not pass me by puts me in mind of something that uh, has become uh, a regular pattern in our gatherings particularly every month when we have Lord's Supper at Hope Reformed Church. And uh, in our midst, there are typically among us, for the celebration of the Lord's Supper and amongst the congregation, those who come from all kinds of backgrounds at varying times. And we have to explain to them how we practice a form of supervised communion. And we have to explain to them if you are not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ or if you're not a member of a Bible-believing church, we humbly ask you to respect the responsibility of our elders and we ask you in that way to allow the elements, the bread and the wine, to pass you by. But we do urge you as well not to let Jesus pass you by. We want you to know Jesus. And we're happy to speak to you more about Jesus. We're happy to speak to you more about membership in the church. Do not let Jesus pass you by. Abraham had a similar plea here. Do not pass me by. And I think that's something that uh, we can appropriate, we can make use of, or something we ought to have as part of our own reflex, part of our own pattern and habit. We come to the table of the Lord and say, Lord, do not pass me by. I need your blessing in a very special way today. And not even just for Lord's Supper. Every time we gather together for worship. Lord, uh, we come prayerfully. We come hungrily. We come expectantly. Lord, do not pass me by. And you could apply that to every moment of every day. The way we begin our every day before the face of God. Prayerfully, Uh, laying ourselves before God and saying, Lord, I want you to bless this day. I want you to bless me to be a blessing. Do not pass me by. Now, I don't want us to misunderstand in terms of the language Abraham used here and the language I'm urging us to make use of. The, the, The picture should not be that we have a God who is pleased to be at a distance or likes to be aloof from his people. We do not need to beg or cajole him not to pass us by. He delights to be inquired of. He delights in fellowship with his people. He loves us. We say do not pass me by in acknowledgement of our own frailty. Our own forgetfulness. Our own negligence. Lord do not pass me by. I need your blessing. I need your help. So there's intimacy with God. There's the imploring of God. Third thing under this first point is there is also um, a very insistent and intentional focus on hospitality, the hospitality of God's people. You saw how Abraham pulled out all the stops and prepared that glorious feast, killed the fattened calf. And I mentioned already, the Holy Spirit gives inspired commentary on this very event in Genesis 18 in Hebrews 13. In Hebrews 13, we're told, Let brotherly love continue. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by so doing, some have unwittingly entertained angels. As I mentioned at first, Abraham didn't know. Abraham wasn't saying, Oh, God's here. I better better do my best. No, he did this simply as a ministry of hospitality. That was his understanding of who he was, what he's responsible for. And the language um, in Hebrews, don't forget to entertain strangers, or don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. The word hospitality in the New Testament is the word for the love of the stranger. The love of the stranger. And we have much to learn from. I believe, much to be encouraged by. Uh, Hospitality is something we understand as a responsibility and a privilege in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, but not just for families, for strangers. That There is a place within our family for the stranger, the love of the stranger. That's our task and our privilege. May the joy we know in fellowship with God be so abounding and overflowing that we want others to know that too. We have we have room and we have food. Come and see. Come and join us. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Move to the second point here this afternoon: His faithfulness ensured. We we've covered the first eight verses. A special meal with special guests. And the verses 9 through 15 is God getting down to business, so to speak. The meal has been enjoyed. Perhaps the table has been cleared and now it's time for the after dinner talk. Why God had come to prepare Abraham, to encourage him in that sweet fellowship. And then he's going to speak directly to the situation. Verse 9 We're speaking of God's faithfulness ensured. God is going to remind Abraham of everything he's promised and remind him again. Verse 9, where is Sarah your wife? He said, here in the tent. And then these words of God. Verse 10, and he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah your wife shall have a son, And then in brackets we read here, Sarah was listening in the tent door which was behind him. The picture is a little bit funny, I think. Maybe a little bit pathetic. Sarah is behind the door listening in. And boys and girls, have you ever done something like that? Have you ever had those times when mommy and daddy are visiting with friends, big people? And they come to the point where they say... um, I mean daddy you're going to have some big people talk now maybe you should go to the basement or maybe you should go play outside for a while didn't love that so you stood by the door and tried to hear what they were talking about you ever done that that's what sarah was doing we we're, we're told here and of course god knows she's there he's asking for her and he's making these promises And he's speaking these promises to her as well. She needs to be encouraged in them. Of course, we know here's the situation. Here's the challenge. Abraham, verse 11, and Sarah were old, well advanced in age. Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed. She laughed within herself. She could not believe. She could not believe this. She would not believe this. Impossible was her conviction. Now what we see here in terms of what God is actually declaring verse 10 I will certainly return to you according to the time of life behold Sarah your wife shall have a son. Who can say that? But God? I'll come back next year she's going to have a son. God can say that. Nobody else. It's repeated at verse 14. Is anything too hard for the Lord at the appointed time? I will return to you according to the time of life that Sarah shall have a son. God had been promising that every step of the way. You you trace it out from Genesis 12 onward. And we're told already at the beginning, at the end of chapter 11, and Sarah was barren. Sarah had no children. And every step of the way, God is making promises. Abraham, I'm going to bless you to be a blessing. Who honors you, I will honor. Who dishonors you, I will curse. But I will bless all of the families of the nations of the earth through you and through your seed. That promise is repeated again and again and again. Sometimes Abraham doesn't get it. He's concerned. Remember in Genesis 15, Abraham says, All I have is Eleazar as my heir, a servant in my house. And God says, Eleazar will not be your heir. Look up at the sky. Look up at the stars in the sky. See if you can count the stars in number. So numerous will your descendants be. Abraham believed God. And it was credited to him as righteousness. Of course the next chapter. Abraham and Sarah got nervous. Anxious. And forgetful. And unbelieving again. And they said well maybe we'll do it a different way. Using Hagar. Sarah's maidservant. that wasn't the answer either, was it? In Genesis 17, at verse 15, God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name, and I will bless her, and also give you a son by her. Then I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings, a people shall come from her. Then Abraham Abraham fell on his face and laughed. Here's Abraham laughing as well. Now, for Abraham, this is a laugh of incredulity. This is, this is too much. This is, this is amazing. I don't know if I get this. Shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old, and shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. No, God said, No, Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant with his descendants after him. God keeps repeating the promise. You're going to call him Isaac, which incidentally means laughter. Now Sarah's laugh, as God will have to deal with her on that, is perhaps even more in the way of rank unbelief than was Abraham's incredulity. And So God is going to lovingly and graciously deal with her But you understand, right? I'm past the age of childbearing. I'm 90 years old. This is a joke. This is impossible. Yes, it is. But is anything too hard for the Lord? And uh, boys and girls, you probably know as well that when Isaac is finally born, he's going to be part of that line. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob right down the line as Galatians chapter 3 sort of knits it together for us to Jesus Christ. Little baby Isaac is giving way to baby Jesus being born. He is the seed that is promised, the one through whom all the families of the nations of the earth will be blessed. But probably you know from Christmas um, preaching and study of the Bible when the angel Gabriel came to Mary with the annunciation that she was with child in Luke chapter 1, your son will be the son of the most high God. He'll have the throne of his father David forever. And Mary's response in Luke 1 verse 34 was, how can this be? How can this be? For I do not know a man. And then in Luke 1, verse 38, finally, with God, all things are possible. Is anything too hard for the Lord? You see, this is a divine thing. This is a God thing, as they say. This is God at work. It has to be. Our Savior will be born of a virgin. Then you watch the Lord Jesus grow up throughout the course of his whole life never sinned which of you would accuse him of sin he is holy harmless undefiled and separate from sinners who can say that who can do that with man it is impossible is anything too hard for the lord he'll go to the cross he'll die he'll receive the righteous wrath of God on the cross in our place. Who could do that? With us, it is impossible. Is anything too hard for the Lord? And on the third day, he'd be raised again from the dead. People who are dead don't rise again. That doesn't happen. That's impossible. Humanly speaking, is anything too hard for the Lord? See, this is the message of the gospel. This is the declaration of God's faithfulness. He will keep his promise. He always does. And this is the reality we have come to experience in our own lives. If we're Christians, if we're trusting in Jesus, did we give that blessing to ourselves? Wouldn't you say it would be impossible for those who are dead in trespasses and sins to be saved? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Just think of the language. Uh, In Matthew chapter 19, Jesus dealing with the rich young ruler who went away sorrowful because he had many possessions. And Jesus responds in saying, you know, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. But the disciples They got it right when they asked the question, who then can be saved? And Jesus stated it very plainly with man, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Do you understand the blessing of your salvation in that way? Do you understand that, that, that you may confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior is a testimony to God's amazing grace that for you and I would be laughably impossible? Is anything too hard for the Lord? That's God's amazing grace. And then we just think of our task going forward in the midst of the world. How could the likes of us? with our own struggles and our own issues? Possibly be used of God for the gospel going forward. Well, is anything too hard for the Lord? Jesus has said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Last thing to consider. Circling back to... um, focus in on God's dealings with Sarah. Where is Sarah? And we speak of our faithlessness engaged. It's not just Sarah's, it's ours. It's amazing. Not only do we see that clearly God is God from what he can declare is going to happen a year hence, a year down the road, also from the fact that though Sarah was not within eyesight or earshot, she was hiding by the door, and though she was said to have laughed within herself, nobody heard her laugh or saw her laugh. God says, why did Sarah laugh? Well, because he's God. He knows, right? He knows everything. He knows what's in the heart of man. He knows what's in your and my hearts. He knows what we're struggling with. He knows everything. I did not laugh. She denied it. She she lies to God. Why do you think she would do that? Verse 15 makes it very plain. Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh. For she was afraid. She was afraid. She, she knew she was busted, you could say. She knew she laughed. She knows that she knows. She knows that God knows. And yet she denies it. Now, can you identify with that? I think if we're honest, we would say, yes, we can. She denied it because she was afraid. But God, in dealing with her here and leaving it at the end of this portion, no, but you did laugh. As I said before, is not not simply there to scold her or rebuke her or embarrass her. The point is that He is engaging her to embrace her. She would understand the the nature, the character, the faithfulness of the promises of God. God is gracious to forgive our sins. Sarah, you don't have to hide anything from God because he knows. You may simply bring it to God. And there is hope and forgiveness In God. Again, we sung from Psalm 139, Lord, before a word is on my tongue, you know it altogether. This is too wonderful for me. Whither shall I go from your spirit? I want to run and hide. Can you identify with that? I want to run and hide. I I wanna I want to protect myself. I want to stay away from God. But the answer is not protecting ourselves and staying away from God. It's not pretending we don't have issues. It's, it's bringing our issues, bringing our challenges, bringing our struggles to the Lord, who knows, who won't be surprised, who is gracious to help and to forgive. As I think about these things, I think about situations we run into. Perhaps you have here as well. People happen along and they view our life as church. They view our ministry and they say, I see something there. I see God at work among you. Clearly there is something going on that is wonderful and glorious. I wish I had what you had. But I don't think I could ever be like you. Why not? Because they're afraid. Rightly, in a certain sense, afraid of the majesty and glory of God. But what do they need to hear from us? Well, by nature, you are just like me, and I am just like you. And the blessing of the gospel is that there is forgiveness for sinners like us. That's the gospel. Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost, we can say with Paul. It's an opportunity for us to say, you know, it's, it's about grace. There is hope for all of us in God's grace. We have room and we have food. Come and see. Is anything too hard for the Lord? That's our message. It's the message of the gospel. So over against any sort of fear like that of Sarah that we can understand and identify with, the answer is God's gracious dealings with us in the gospel. Not that we would keep at a distance, not that we would live in denial, but that through humble confession and acknowledgement, hiding nothing from God, saying, Lord, this is my struggle, this is who I am. Have mercy upon me. Do not pass me by. And I assure you, he will not pass you by. Jesus' words, John 6, verse 37 All those who come to me, I shall in no wise cast out. He will not pass you by. Is anything too hard for the Lord? And with that, we go forward in the confidence that we draw near to God. We desire, Lord, we want to live for you in all that we do, and we want to be a blessing. It's too much for us. We fail regularly. But is anything too hard for the Lord? Heavenly Father, we praise you for what you assure us of here in your word. You are wholeheartedly committed to everything that you have promised us. And you never grow tired or weary of repeating those precious promises to us. Sing them over again to me, those wonderful words of life. Lord, grant that we should never grow tired either of being encouraged in the promises of the gospel. And we pray that you would help us to plead upon these precious promises for all that you have promised us. We know when you say, is anything too hard for the Lord? You are not teaching us to come to God with our grocery lists, naming and claiming selfish blessings we might want for ourselves that's not the teaching of the gospel that's not what's promised us but you have surely promised to be God to us and to our children you've surely promised to bless your church and you've promised to bless your church that we may be a blessing to the nations and so we plead Lord Help us to live in the joy of the wonder of our salvation and help us to live with passion for your glory, for the salvation of the nations. Help us to have a strong confidence knowing you are sovereign, good, wise, gracious, and glorious Is anything too hard for the Lord. We ask for your continued blessing on the week that is before us. We pray for a blessing on the meeting of Classis Ontario East this coming Thursday in Wellandport. We pray for the delegation that will go from here. We pray for wisdom. We pray for blessing among the brethren that the churches may be encouraged together and go forward with joy. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.